Hot Springs Village Inside Out is a closer look at the greatness of Hot Springs Village, Arkansas and the surrounding areas, people, places, experiences. Hot Springs Village is one of the most beautiful places on earth. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host Dennis Simpson as we engage in weekly conversations to explore Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. Remax of Hot Springs Village. The award-winning Remax of Hot Springs Village is the largest real estate office inside the village with over 30 full-time agents and support staff. Visit them to learn more about this beautiful place to solve your real estate needs. Call them today at 1-800-364-9007. Find them online at explorehsv.com. They are Remax of Hot Springs Village at 1-800-364-9007 or online at explorehsv.com. Ike Eisenhower State Farm. Ike and his award-winning team have been serving the insurance needs of folks all around Hot Springs Village since 1998. Ike has qualified for State Farm's President's Club, Chairman's Circle, and Hot Springs Village Insurance Agent of the Year. Call Ike Eisenhower State Farm today at 501-984-4100. That's 501-984-4100. Find them online at IkeEisenhower.net. Call them today for all your insurance needs because, like a good neighbor, Ike Eisenhower State Farm is there. In 1969-1970, there was a guy in Little Rock, Arkansas named Doc Brother Howell. And he was uh, his name was Lloyd Westerman, I thought. Westman. Um, nice guy, but he had a radio personality, uh, brother Hal, and he told old country stories and he talked about how, you know, he would tell basically funny country stories and, uh, come to find out, uh, and I didn't know it, but, uh, Tom at the radio station worked with him or knew him, knew had worked with him a while and, uh, said, when you bought an ad on his show, you had to buy a one year contract one year they had people lined up around the street to to advertise with this guy klra and uh it was the powerhouse i mean he he did whatever he wanted for however long he wanted and he just dominated that and he would play some songs but i remember as a kid thinking man i'd love to be on the radio someday just just someday and randy if we discussed our media partners the fine folks at kvre that we literally love uh, could not have been more gracious, could not have been more helpful, could not have been more understanding. And what are we, are we coming up maybe on six months, Randy, five months that we've had the radio show. Yeah. Five or six in, in that ballpark. Uh, and the radio show is an hour long. Uh, it repeats Saturday and Sunday at 10 AM. Same show, as you mentioned before, once, uh, for the last month or so I've been out of pocket and Mr. Cantrell has filled in. And, you know, it kind of scratched an itch we had always needed. It, it wanted, didn't it? Yeah. You know, I, true confession, I, I did a podcast that I still do 
leaning toward wisdom and I used to play music. <laughs> Broke every rule that could be broken. Well, you sent me some of those and I'm like, these were fantastic. And then yeah. I realized with I the, played, I played, I played music and I never got in any trouble or anything. I would not recommend it. And you can't Ooh. find any of them. I took them all down right. some years ago. Cause I thought this is, I'm just playing with fire, but I, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. You know, so music was a big part, a big part of it. Now, ironically enough, I would hear from managers of bands and I, I did play some bigger name stuff too, but I played an awful lot of stuff that was pretty obscure singer songwriter kind of stuff. And they were and thrilled I, to have their stuff played, oh, right? Listen, I would, I would hear from, I would hear from bands and I would hear from managers. Oh yeah. So that was all kind of cool. I didn't have, technically I didn't have permission. Now I wasn't making any money. I wasn't, so it's not like I, I wasn't profiting from it. I was not monetizing. I it. was, no, I was just trying to, I was just trying to share the love, you know, and mm -hmm. expose people to, to music, but no, listen, I, I, I was a music hound for my earliest, earliest remembrance. So, well, let me, let me give the listening audience a five mile high view here. Uh, you know, I started with John Cooksey about five years ago and I was doing village venues in his yeah. studios and John Cooksey has hello, hot Springs, uh, in hot Springs, fantastic guy. Never say a poor word about him. I truly love him. He, he helped me a great deal. Uh, we were doing the, uh, shortest day parade. We were doing the, the, uh, you know, St. Patty's day shortest parade. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I thought I walked outside and I shot some video and I, I mean, they had the music blast and it was unbelievably loud on the street. Maybe, maybe five, 6,000 people in this little tight area. And I turned up my camera like this and just shot some video going around like this. And I posted that on Facebook and I'm like, great time, shortest day parade, shortest, you know, world shortest parade. This is a lot of fun, blah, 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 blah. Music in the background. How did you know? How did you know? Yeah. Uh, apparently, Mr. Timberlake was singing Can't Fight the Feeling <clears throat> yeah, at got, 135 they got, decibels. They got bots that'll pick all this stuff up now. Yeah, it, it, it hit me, and it was like, oh, well, do you, are you authorized to use this? I'm like, it's in a public space. I'm standing on the street corner for crying out loud. To which I was like, yes, I'm I'm authorized to use this. Yes, it's a public venue. Yes, I'm no, I'm not monetizing it. It happened. They happened to be playing it as I'm right. standing on the street right. corner. Come on, man. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. That that's how yeah. close. Yeah. H yeah had but somebody I'm old enough to remember back in the days, you know, when the deadhead movement really was in in full swing, you know, with the the Grateful Dead and all mm -hmm. the people that would follow them. And the deadheads were notorious for taking recorders and recording the shows mm -hmm. and they would bootleg those sh shows. They would just travel with the band and, and the, and the band completely embraced it. And I mean, marketing people have studied that for really? a long, long time. Yeah. Because, you know, we live in this world of, yeah, don't look at, yeah. don't look at my paper and don't share anything. And, <laughs> you know, so here's a band that absolutely one of the highest grossing bands in the history of rock and roll. And saying, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Make your, make your recordings. We don't care. Swap them, sell them. We don't care. And some of the bootlegs got really popular and big. I mean, oh, big, yeah. big. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You know, but that's just not, doesn't seem to be the world that, that we live in today. So, so yeah, no, thanks. I mean, thanks for taking the trip, you know, so I could, I could, <laughs> I could do a few shows at KVRE and, and play some music.
because well, it was, it was kind of nice. What I was getting at was, is I'm hoping we're going to be able to do that soon. And we'll both be on the radio. What we, I started the, the radio side by just taking clips of what were the interviews we had done, Bart Langford and some other, right. I mean, absolutely fat Ernie Deaton, the engineer yeah. for the village. And I mean, just absolutely fascinating people and cutting that down. Well, I would use, you know, an eight to 12 minute segment of one and you cut up several and it, Anyway, um, it was okay. Okay. It was better than mine. Okay. But you know, <laughs> well, I, I my music was better, I but didn't do any, I didn't do anything anywhere near that long. Yeah. Mine were like 90 seconds, maybe, yeah. you know, well, but you expressed the point too. I thought, I thought they were great shows. Anyway, all that well, said, I wanted to play more music than I wanted to do anything else, but that was me. So, well, and then we found out, well, when we knew, I guess we just never crossed paths on it, but, but FYI. Uh, we talk about, you can listen to 92.9 KVRE, Saturdays and Sundays at 10 a.m., and we're talking like everybody can get it internationally. Well, if you go to KVRE.com or you go to tunedin.com, yes, you can. Uh, we stream all over the world, but yeah, you, it may be a little more difficult some places than others if you get my drift. And if you have a smart device, just say, mm-hmm. insert name of device here. Cause I've got hey, one sitting above my head. Yeah, exactly. You know, play KVRE and. And Miss Siri will go get it for you. Mr. Alexa, Mr. Google. Magically it will happen. It will. Happen. It'll just happen. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things they're pushing and I don't blame them. It's uh in the terrestrial radio market. We, we joke, Randy, tell me where you're going to go buy a radio today. They have them at Walmart. I don't they, know. They come, they come inside cars nowadays. I, is where the, I mean, I'm supposed, can you even buy a clock radio anymore? Surely, you can uh, buy a clock radio. Yeah, I guess you can. Yeah, well, I mean, clock radio. I mean, the, the the only radios that we had, and that we have, are are clock radios. Hmm. Well, so many but, times they're integrated into your phone these days. It's a charger, yeah, and you yeah. know. But man, alive the you know, the smart device, and if you if you haven't done that, yeah, you should do that. You should. You yeah, should, you really you should. should. Buy, you should buy a smart <laughs> device because they're just, yeah, they're they're mad dog good, but. No, the KVRE experience was, I, I enjoyed it. It, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was nice. It was nice to be able to put that show, put the shows together and think about, okay, what music do I want to do? I want to play out here. And I'm sure people in the audience were scratching their head and like, okay. Oh no, 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 no. You, you, you led us down a path, a Jackson Brown path that uh, I thoroughly loved and embraced you, you, uh, uh, there, who was the girl? That, Valerie that, Carter. Valerie Carter, you had a song. What song was it by her? Ooh Child. Ooh Child, which was a remake. It wasn't hers originally. But I was like, wow, this version is fantastic. And I, I didn't know who it was. I mean, I'm listening in real time. I hadn't heard the story either. And then come to find out, Jackson Brown does the song, That Girl Could Sing. Wasn't uh-huh. much good at running around, but that girl could sing. Yeah. Uh, and the that song in itself had some real humor to it. And yeah. then to find out that that song was about Susan, about Valerie. Valerie. Yeah. Yeah. Valerie. Valerie. Yeah. Wonderful story. I, yeah, I was, she did uh, some background singing, you know, for him and yeah, she could sing. She yeah, died. I think sure. I said that on the radio. I think you noted. She, yeah. pa- she passed away some years Well, we ago. were talking just as like we do, we, we just uh-huh. catch up now and then, but we were talking about, uh, and here, throw out some quick m- m- musical details here real quick. Uh, Linda Ronstadt had a backup band uh, by mm-hmm. the Eagles, I believe, was there what their name went by. And and Henley and um, Fry. Henley and Fry uh-huh. were able to eke out enough of a living at the, the Troubadour to live in the upper floor 
And Mr. Jackson Brown, who really wasn't doing that well, had a little cellar with a dirt floor from what well, I understand. None of them had, none of them had broken through at that point. Well, I mean, Linda, Linda had, and Jackson yeah. was, you know, he was, he was writing. People were noticing his songs, but as a solo artist, that was, that predates that. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was, uh, the, the, uh, Henley and Fry were saying they learned how to write songs from getting up in the morning and hearing Jackson Brown downstairs with a piano. Yeah. Uh, and what did I say? Doctor, my eyes. Yeah. Just was the song it and working that, it and working it. Just a progression it. of so yeah. forth. And you know, if you but really Carly uh, Simon and Crosby, Stills, Nash, although that was all that Laurel Canyon stuff. Yeah. If you go to yeah. Netflix or Amazon prime, you could probably search Laurel Canyon there's a there's a number of documentaries about that era. Wouldn't that be the Beach Boys too? In in Laurel Canyon. Well, these were um maybe, but that that wasn't this crowd. You know, this crowd yeah. was Mama Cass. Mm. You know, Mamas and Papas. This was Crosby Stills Nash and Young. This was early early Eagles. Um Well, let me let me throw one sideways just for a minute. Carly Simon, which is worth your, you know, uh, yep. uh Oh goodness! Give me a couple of songs real quick. Anticipation. You're so vain. You're so vain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and her dad was. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Simon and Schuster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't like she was going to go broke any day, anytime soon. No. But no. she was already connected, and yeah, did okay. Yeah, yeah. But those are those are really interesting documentaries. But for me, I was the nerd that was. I was reading anything I'd get my hands on. I was the kid, and this is back when Rolling Stone was much less of a political and mainstream rag than it is today. Right. It, it was, was more about music. It was pretty much all music. Now, I was really <clears throat> smitten by Hunter S. Thompson. He he's he wrote about politics because he absolutely hated Richard Nixon, and I just found him wildly entertaining. Uh, he was completely crazy, which made him, I mean, brilliantly crazy. He could but, turn a phrase. He could I turn mean, a phrase. I love, absolutely. I, I will go back and reread his books now. I, I've got them. I keep them. And, uh, but I was a voracious Rolling Stone reader, and I read Melody Maker, which was the U.K. version of, of Rolling Stone. So I kept up. Yeah, I kept up. I was, I was deeply into it and spent all of my spare time in record stores. You know, my favorite record store of all time was on State Street, right across the street from LSU, a place called Leisure Landing, long gone, but uh, they got all my money. I mean, they did got they, all Did they have money. thousands and thousands, or was it just a oh, favorite place to hang out? Thousands and thousands. They were, they were great, and they knew music, and you could go in there. You know, I mean, that's where I first heard just an, an awful lot of... Just, it wasn't just a commodity to them. Oh no, no. And this is back in the day when you go in a record store and they've got the record album cover on the counter and a sign that would say now playing and over the sound system is, is this record. You could open records, you could play records. Um, yeah, it was magical. Just magical. Yeah, it was. You know, but here's the deal. You didn't know how magical it was at the time. I mean, you really didn't, you know? Well, I kind of saw, I mean, I didn't know it in the sense that, okay, this too shall pass. I didn't know mm -hmm. that, that magic part of it, but no, it was, yeah, it was awesome. You know, I remember going in and Phoebe Snow's very first record was on the turntable and we had never heard her. 
loving you like and, a little bird. Uh, it yeah. was just nuts. It was just completely crazy. Um, yeah, just all those kind of things were just were just great. I laughed today at the at the vinyl vinyl the, heads. The, the 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 people that you know. Oh, they love vinyl. Yeah. I have not yet met a vinyl freak that has a turntable that's worth more than a hundred bucks. Yeah. I'm like you're yeah. an idiot. You're just, because, the, because know. when, when we were kids, the cartridge cost a hundred dollars at, at, if it was, if it was a discount, the ones at radio shack were 34 and then 50. Yeah. You know, and even back then when I, and I, I was working at a hi-fi shop and there were probably three hi-fi shops in town mm-hmm. and back then you carried certain brands, each shop, you pretty much had an exclusive. So oh. if one dealer had Morantz, the other two dealers couldn't carry Morantz. You, you pretty much had exclusivity and the dealer agreements were set up that way. So, so if I had Sony, you wouldn't have Sony. Yeah. If you basically got the Morantz mm. franchise, which didn't mean that you paid a franchise, but it meant that you got the exclusive, you were able to be the exclusive dealer in, in a market. And so we all had exclusivity on the brands, but as sales guys, you know, if we wanted something at a competing shop, there was a whole bunch of bartering and trading and stuff going on. Really? Was, yeah, that was, you know, all that, all that was fun. And you just got to nitpick, you know, some new thing would come in and you got to kind of nitpick it and, and listen to it. And of course that's all your downtime was spent listening to records. All your yeah. downtime was spent you know, AB testing speakers and amplifiers and pre-amplifiers and all this. And so if your employer didn't get all your money, then the record store got all your money. So all of our money, all of our money either went to buy ca- gas for our cars, a little bit of food and, uh, everything else went for music. Everything else was wasted. Yeah. It just went to music. <laughs> You know, but I got rid of my record collection and I, I happen to be very fortunate to get hired by a guy that started a record chain. Uh, and so I was just always around it and, you know, and I had a, I had a stupidly large record collection. And when we moved from Oklahoma, uh, to Texas, I, that was 30 some odd years ago but I gave my collection to my right-hand guy and, uh, I don't know. I mean, there, there were over, there were probably, probably close to 7,000, you know, records, 7,000. Cause I had, records? I had record bins. I had record bins in my house. Like you would see in a record store and the yeah. tops were full. The bottoms were full. I, they were alphabetized at least by letter. They weren't completely alphabetized within the letter, but yeah. So we were the vinyl guys, but we had good turntables and good cartridges and all that. So I'm, I'm kind of tickled at, in fact, I ran into somebody not long ago and they, they do record days and the whole bit and they've got a USB turntable. <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, you know, they're talking about how, oh, you know, vinyl is so great and whatever. And I, I just don't, I used to, I used to go ahead and engage in the conversation. I don't anymore. I'm just like, I just look at them and grin and then nod. Uh, there were, there were people in Bologna that were talking about how they loved collecting albums and it just so rich and textured and 
I, I, I dove in a minute and I said, well, I mean, you have a really nice cartridge on your turntable. And she said, I don't know. It's the one that came with it. Yeah. Know. They don't even know what a cartridge is. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. I had All buddies. That- I had buddies that were so ate up with it. I remember when the, the tone arm cables companies started making aftermarket cables for the tone arm. And were they we're golden? Talking, we're talking about cables that were, you know, yay long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And at the time they had to be soldered into the turntable, but they had a connector obviously that would connect to the, uh, the pins on the, on the back of the cartridge, you know, and some of these things, I remember the pricing and I remember, you know, we would have debates when there were no customers in the store, you know, and we would change these out, you know, and you're just trying to list, you're trying to listen. And I'm like, there's, there's no difference. You can't hear it. You cannot hear a different, <laughs> a difference in those. And of course, and then the big, because back in the day, we just used, we called it lamp cord because it was the yeah. exact same stuff that your lamps had. 14-2 speaker cable. And that was speaker. That was speaker cable. That was, it wasn't, it wasn't gold tipped. That was everybody's speaker cable. This was, this predates monster cable and all the other mm-hmm. brands that came out, you know, later. And well, you know, of, when I had, kind of when fun. I had wired, when I had wired in Little Rock, one of the deals was, was that. That new HDMI technology was coming out with all those those high def 720 TVs, you know the uh-huh. 720s, you know, yeah. and how you could only buy at Best Buy, you could only buy the HDMI that was gold tipped, right. right? And uh, somebody asked me about it, and I said, "Well, it's digital. It's a zero or a one. It gets there or it doesn't. Yeah, right? it works or it does not work." <laughs> it, it doesn't there's no static there's no right. anyway anyway right. we digress for me, the gear the for the gear was an afterthought though you know i mean really? i think for you yeah i think for you you know i was into the gear don't get me wrong but based on what i know of you the gear really scratches an itch for you it scratched yeah. an itch for me only in the sense that i was looking i was looking for a sonic difference you know, because I knew enough about live music because I'd listened to enough live music. And there's just something magical about a really, really great two-channel stereo system. And if people haven't heard one, because I had one set up in my office mm-hmm. years ago, the last really good system that I had. And even reps, even re- independent manufacturer reps who had speakers in their bag of tricks would sit and just jump. And that sounds great, you know, right? Because yeah. it's just, yeah, there's just something about it that's just stinking awesome. But I embrace digital. It's just too easy. It's too convenient. And everybody, oh, well, it's compressed. Yes, it is. It is. You know, can you hear a difference? Yes, you can. How big of a deal is it? I don't know. I mean, if I was in my 20s and I'm glad I experienced it, I'll put it that way. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm this age. And I'm glad I came of age when vinyl was the thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but see, I came in and tubes, tubes were just going, yep. I mean, they, they had been kind of diminishing. And so then that crowd, that old head crowd just absolutely thought we were out of our minds selling anything that was, you know, transistorized. Don't you hear the harshness of that transistor, Randy? Don't you hear the the crunching of the transistor yeah, as it tries know, to go through the power wave? Yeah, but you know, the hi-fi industry love the they love the word warmth. You know, the yeah, warmth yeah, of tubes yeah, and yeah, and they did yeah. get warm. There was they got warm. warm. They got warm. Well, and and <laughs> let's 
Okay, so let, let's let's do some techies just for a sec. But you know, you say, well, the hearing range of a human ear is from twenty cycles to twenty thousand cycles. Yeah, so, that's in a perfect world. That's a yeah, let me, yeah, which yeah, yeah. none and, of us have. But no, and and the 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 true story is is that you have to be typically a very African American uh, female and under twenty five to hear those three. Because men, by the time we're 30, we don't know. We're lucky if we're in the 12s. Uh, yeah. So, And you say, well, Dennis, what translate that? Well, a 50-cycle drum kick, bump, 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 you know, that shakes the floor, uh, takes about 15 feet for that wave cycle to complete. Uh, a high drum cymbal crash is about seven-eighths of an inch long. So that's why you have big woofers and little bitty tweeters. That's why if you live in an apartment, you can hear the bass coming through the walls. That is why, because and it is omnidirectional. You can't hear the symbols. Luckily, and you can't hear screaming or, or high yeah, exactly. or whatever. Yeah, no, yeah. but I love, listen, I love, I love music and I spent way, way more money on on records than I did on the equipment, you know, that, that played them. And I've always been a bit of a headphone junkie, you know, cause when you're in your room and mom and dad, mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to disturb. <clears throat> so I've, I've always, I've lived with headphones on my head. And as a podcaster, you know, I really do. And even doing Zoom calls and stuff. So I've been really kind. And I've been a bit of a headphone junkie. Because if you really want great sound, mm -hmm. and you don't want to spend a boatload of money, you're without excuse. Because Binaural a $300 recording. pair of headphones, you know, would the way that we always did, that would be tantamount to about $3,000 speakers. And, know, and it, it does kind of equate like that. They really do and the accuracy of the headphones. Well, the headphones don't have to try and fill a living room. They don't have to, you know, they just got the space between your That's ears, right. right? That's right. Well, let, let's hop back to the music. I embrace all of the, all of the new technology, but I, well, I still love music and I pay attention to music. You know, my son is, he'll be 43 and I'm as, I'm as up on music as he is or, or as he ever was. And I, I've, the only genre that I have not embraced is you know urban hip-hop yeah and that's probably because you know the lyrics were absolutely just so ridiculously filthy when they when those guys started yep and i just i'm out I'm now they're out. trying to be mainstream if you've noticed yeah you know and i just and that that's got nothing to do with age because when i was i mean sugar hill gang and all that i was in my I was in my twenties when that stuff mm -hmm. started started coming out, but and some of that was really talented. I didn't have a problem with that. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and but, for 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 modern day, for modern day, yeah, I played some Bruno Mars on on our, our radio show. Oh my lord, what a talented guy! Oh my god. Yeah, but I mean, come on. I mean, I'm not talking about guys like Bruno Mars when I'm talking about it. You know, I mean, it's some of the and, and there's different. No, I'm just talking about contemporary music is where I'm going with that. Oh, no, no, yeah. no, not not not, not well, rap or anything, but just contemporary modern music I, I it's the bothersome thing to me is is and we're going to sound like a couple of old guys here the bothersome thing to me is that so many times um you know it, chris stapleton's a classic example for the nfl sings the sings the mm -hmm. uh national anthem one man one guitar one little eight by eight speaker yep. and he brings the house down because he's stinking talented and he's great yeah. Same thing with Bruno Mars. These are people that just have raw, raw, God-given talent. And that's not what you always hear on the radio today, Randy. No, you know, I mean, you've got somebody like Taylor Swift, and I'm not a Swifty by a long shot, but I've never been a pop music guy. 
Yeah, pop mm-hmm. music has never been my has never been my thing. Uh, but she's extraordinarily talented. Oh, I mean, no what question. does she have? Nine out of the ten songs she had, you know, she's been she set records for this last tour that she did. So mm-hmm. I just yeah, I've been smitten with the music industry for as long as I because I just yeah, I just I love it. I love it. Well, I love the I was, songs. I like I the was lyrics. Tell- I was telling Diane the other night that I wanted to play the Jackson Brown song, uh, uh, here come those tears again. Yep. And she was like, we, well, you always play happy music. What, what, why are you here? Come those tears again. How's that happy music? And we, we've joked about this before. I'm like, you hadn't heard the last lyric, you know, here come those tears again. Just when I thought I was getting over you, just when I thought I could make it through another night without missing you, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, at the very end, he, he's, he's struck and here you are acting like nothing's ever happened. You know, we've had these horrible fights and, uh, and I don't know if I can do it. I just don't know if I can do it. And the last line goes, and I'm not telling you anything, but the last line goes, I'm going back inside. I'm turning out the lights and I'll be in the dark, but you'll be out of sight. And I just thought, you know, you know, a little, little freedom, a little, uh, little getaway, a little, well, that's, a, I don't know about happy, but it, it, uh, you know, sometimes you got to do things for you. And when I mentioned that story to you, Randy, you said, well, his, his, well, it was his ex-mother-in-law only because his wife, she had overdosed and they did it as a suicide. So her mom, his mother-in-law mm-hmm. helped write that song. Really? Yeah. Yeah, the two of them collaborated and really and wrote that song. So it was largely it was largely about her, about her daughter and his first wife who died of an overdose by yeah. her own hands. By her own hands, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Well, and I I just think in my mind, um, but see, you know, I'm little... that guy. I I mean the stories behind the stories behind the songs and uh, Cameron Crow. Cameron Crow did that. He did that rather famous movie called Almost Famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That was really very autobiographical. Oh, so really? I'm the same age as Cameron Crowe, so I'm I'm about 16 years old, and I'm sitting in high school, and I put a paper cover, a br- a brown bag cover over Rolling Stone Rock and Roll Reader, the Rolling Stone Rock and Roll, and I've still got this book, by the way, uh, a little paperback about yay thick. But the cover had that Rolling Stone script, you know, Rolling Stone Rock and Roll Reader. Okay, well, so I could read that and not be bothered by teachers or anybody. I put a a book cover over it. I made a book cover out of a brown paper sack. Back when we had paper sacks. Yeah, and put it over the the cover. And I read that thing who knows how many times. And it was just a compilation of stories that had been published in Rolling Stone about Oh, name really? the name the band it really? was in it but it was something that was small and i could carry it oh i took it dude I, I took it everywhere i read it i read it constantly so i was intrigued by the music and i was intrigued by these people that could create music and probably because i knew i couldn't you when, know, I when couldn't, did you get the when did you get the laurel anything. canyon connection well i was reading about all that no, but I mean, how did you see it all came it. We together? We didn't have the internet. We didn't have Google or oh, anything. True, so, I yeah. was, so I was reading in Rolling Stone. Now, there were other music magazines at the time that were horrifically pop-oriented, mm-hmm. didn't care one thing about any of those, didn't pay attention to them. 
Now, I did read High Fidelity Magazine, Stereo Review, and Audio. Those were the three big audio stereo equipment rags. And they all all had reviews of equipment, but they also all had a section about the latest records that Mm. had come out. And they all had reviewers. And Rolling Stone, I guess still does. I haven't seen a Rolling Stone in a long time. When Tom Petty died, they did a tribute episode and i bought that right Uh, when hunter thompson died they did one and i bought that one i Mm -hmm. kept those uh so if something like that happens and they do they do a full-blown episode edition on something like that that i care about Mm -hmm. i'll buy it but yeah and so we and we had our favorite reviewers you know you kind of you got to know who these reviewers were and you kind of gravitated to the person, the reviewer that had tastes that were similar to yours. Because well, we'll the odds it. were, if he didn't like a record, you probably weren't going <laughs> to like it either. And this is back, you know, the great thing about the records, not just the art on the front, but it was all the liner notes that were mm-hmm. n- not only in it, but especially the ones that were on the outside that gave you not just the list of the songs, but it gave you who all the players were and the producer and all that. So. I made, I mean, I I took a writer on so many albums that I didn't have a clue about. Really? But I knew the producer, mm. or I knew this guitar player or that guitar player, and I'm like, yeah, this is probably going to be okay. And most of the time, most of the time they were. But no, most everything that I knew, I knew through the lens of Rolling Stone. If it was British, if it was something overseas, then I knew it through the lens of Melody Maker. I'd go to a newsstand, and uh, I subscribed it, to Rolling in Stone. Oklahoma that had Melody Maker. Well, I was in. I'm in Louisiana. This okay, point. at LSU. I'm in, I'm in Baton Rouge. I'm in Bat. I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I'm going downtown to a uh, you know to a newsstand. And uh, Melody Maker came out. I think Melody Maker came out every week. You know, Rolling Stone came out a couple of times a month. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, and I'm reading them cover to cover and the whole bit. Well, for the for their guest, for the guest, set up the almost famous with Cameron Crow. Almost that was famous a fascinating, was, great yeah, movie. Almost famous was yeah, and I got sidetracked. I sidetracked myself there. But so he's sixteen, and I'm reading, I'm reading some of his articles in this Rolling Stone because I had read Cameron Crow was about a sixteen year old kid, and he wanted to write, and so he started writing. He started doing some freelance stuff for Rolling Stone, and that that. That movie is largely biographical, but I was reading all of that in real time. Mm-hmm. You know, he traveled he traveled with the Eagles. Really, really early, early, early Eagles. And so he was he was on private planes and stuff as just a high school kid, uh, writing about these bands and just kind of living this rock and roll lifestyle. Of course went on, you know, to be a pretty famous screenwriter. Yeah. Uh did did High times at Ridgemont High. Well, that was his. And that's yeah, he wrote that. But I had no idea that was that was also kind of biographical because he posed as a high school student, but he could pull it off. He was young, so he wrote that as an inside perspective. The high school, like like a high school kid, and that was that movie. So yeah, he's he's done pretty well for himself, and you know, married one of the sisters in heart until they got divorced. Oh really, Ann or Nancy or no, who? he married Nan- is Nancy the blonde? Yeah, yeah. 
he married the blonde. He married the blonde one, and uh, I don't know how long that lasted. Well, but. but you know, well, for example, with Hart, I don't know if you've caught up with them lately, but you know, they had a uh, domestic disturbance a few months back. Yeah. Where, uh, yeah, where they had a little squabble with uh, pushing and shoving uh, stepchildren, and yeah, and yeah. then they didn't talk for years, months, and whatever, and yeah. Well, and they and they predated the whole Seattle music scene, you know. I mean, before oh, they did, didn't they? Uh, before yeah. Foo, New, you know, Nirvana and Foo Fighters, yeah. and uh, well, later, you know, Foo Fighters, but uh, well, you know, Pearl think- Jam, you know, Pearl Jam, and all that grunge stuff, yeah, the. The sisters came out of Seattle before those folks. But wait, wait, I mean, put this in perspective, because when you and I were young, two girls were in a rock band. Well, who does that, right? I mean, this is ten yeah. years before the you know, Go I mean, Go's. Janis, or... Janis Joplin probably, you know, probably entered the fray, and Tina Turner, who just passed away. You know, those were kind of early days, early days for her. So, I mean, there were there were certainly solo kind of rock and rollers, but Carol King. Mm-hmm. Was probably, I would say, Carol King and Joni Mitchell were probably the two big, 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 and Carly Simon. But that that was all pop. That wasn't rock. Yeah, rock. I mean, no, these were, were these were well, you know you laying know, it Joni, down, girls. Yeah, Joni Mitchell was <clears throat> of those. Joni Mitchell was my cup of tea. You know, she was just spectacular, just spectacular. Miles of Isles. If you want a great record, everybody knows Blue. But yeah. Miles of Isles is her live record. It's still, I, I was still, I will still listen to that on a fairly regular basis. Really? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and uh, I'm sorry, you said uh, a moment ago, you said one of the girls that uh, sang with uh, with uh, uh, Jackson. Yeah, no, 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 not with Jackson, but with uh, James Taylor, uh, who wrote Carly for Carol. Carly, no, Carol King. Carol, you, you mentioned Carol King, I thought. Yeah, yeah. She, I did. Uh, and, and so she tells a great story about. Yeah, well, uh, she did. You got a friend, you know. Yeah, you got a that. friend. And and what was the one he said? Um, was it you got a friend or was it? Uh, no, no, let me be. Uh, they were both at, at Apple Studios when the Beatles owned them. And James was getting ready to record something. Carly Simon came down and said, not Carly Simon, I'm sorry. Carol King Carol came King. down and said. I've got this song. You, you may want to try it. And he said, little did I know that I'd sing it every night of my life for the next 45 years because yeah. she, she was a fantastic songstress uh, and great yeah. singer too. But yeah, you know, uh, uh, James Taylor, who I think has a wry sense of humor, put up a picture of him and, and her uh, back in the seventies. And he said, this is proof that me or none of my friends owned a mirror or a comb. Just, <laughs> right. just letting right. you know, nor did we know what we looked like when we walked outside of yeah. the house, right? Yeah. No, listen, Joni Mitchell's Blue and Carole King's Tapestry were mm-hmm. huge records, just huge records. Uh, did you ever buy the remake of Tapestry by all the different artists? No. You, you know, you really should look into that. The, they took the Tapestry, the, the entire album, Every song was just magnificent. Yeah. Uh, back in the late nineties, early two thousands, uh, a couple of them, uh, Amy Grant redid a couple of them. They had guest okay. artists on each right. one of these right. and they, they, uh, it was like tapestry, a 40 year reunion or a 25 yeah. year reunion or something like that. Now, give, me, give me Aretha singing, you know, natural woman over Carol King all day long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I loved, Mo- I loved Motown stuff and. 
the soundtrack to Shaft. Yeah, do it, do it, do it, do it. I absolutely wore that. It was a, du- it was a double record. And late at night, headphones on. I wore that. I wore that record out. But now, listen. I was the kid that you know when John Prine came around. I was completely hooked. Uh, absolutely loved him. Uh, I, I I went through a big alt country phase, mm-hmm. uh, and probably because in Baton Rouge, you know, the really popular station, which was called Loose Radio, Loose is in L O O S E. Uh, and it was, it was one Oh yeah, it was one Oh two loose radio. One Oh two. My first Jimmy Buffett concert was Jimmy Buffett played the Gordon theater, downtown Baton Rouge. And the concert started at midnight and the tickets were a dollar and two cents because one Oh two loose radio. (laughs) But he was always in town kind of playing around and really, uh, yeah, nobody, you know, this predates come Monday. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I had always heard that he played down in the panhandle in that area a lot and he was unknown for 20 years. Well, he was a mo, you know, he was from Mobile, Alabama and he was a he was just a wordsmith and so I love mm-hmm. the lyrics, you know, the early early Buffett stuff, living and dying in three quarter time and and mm-hmm. all of those, you know. Then but the thing that made him big was Margaritaville and cheeseburger in paradise and all that. And I, I was out by then. Well, uh, I'm but, happy for him. I'm happy yeah, but, for him, but his early, his early stuff was, you know, and, and I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for a sad song. Uh, oh, you know, well, pirates, I, I love pirates. Look at 40 and Pirate look at 40. Last, I'm a big one poet for, and that stuff. I love, I, I love I son of a stuff. sailor, son of a son of a sailor. Yeah, I thought that was yeah, great. Yeah. When he moved to Colorado and did changes in latitude, changes in attitude, I'm I'm like I'm out. Really? I'm out. The boy, yeah, the boy's leaving the ocean now. He's going up to the mountains. <laughs> I mean, forget him. <laughs> okay, I'm so out. so give me some insight, and I'm going to open a can here on Joe Walsh. Life's been good so far. Yeah, well, I was, you know, I was like probably most everybody else. I mean, James Gang was spectacular. They were. And when James Gang rides again came out. But then when they split up, I, I, I had every barnstorm cause his next band was called barnstorm and I had everything they did. Uh, and then by the time he goes to the Eagles, I was frankly a little disappointed. <laughs> hmm. I like the Eagles. I like the Eagles. All right. But I'm thought, you know, and then when I read, okay, well, he's just a mercenary. Because most people don't know, but it was Don Don Henley and Glenn Fry own the Eagles Lock, Stock, and Smoke and Barrel. So, I mean, Timothy B. Schmidt, the bass player, Joe Walsh, they're just hired guns. I mean, mm-hmm. they make good money, but they're not, mm-hmm. they don't, they're not part yeah. owners of the band. And I really hated it when Bernie Ledden left. And Felder. The Ledden brothers were, you know, were pretty big time bluegrass players and Bernie's the guy that played the banjo and played some of the Mm -hmm. other stuff in that, on that early stuff. And he just didn't want to do that rock and roll hedonistic lifestyle anymore. So when he left and they're good, listen, they're plenty good and I've seen them live and they're awesome. But yeah, I was a, I was a big Joe Walsh fan. That was, that was in my wheelhouse. 
Well, and when when Felder left, that wasn't very pretty when they when they let Mr. Felder go. No, you know, you know but I thought he was a prima donna. I mean, I don't yeah. know these guys at all, but no. you know, I just thought, okay, here's sour grapes. But I get it. You know, the other two guys were such control freaks and yeah, and so pompous. Extremely talented, though. Yeah, well, I mean, Don I, Henley's got a voice. That's hard. That's a hard voice to beat right there. I think the end of the innocence. He's, he is mad dog. Good. So I was a big fan. I was a big fan of both of them, even when they did solo, yeah, solo stuff. But yeah, so my tastes are really all over. I mean, man, give me Motown. I've, I've joked that if I could sing like anybody, give me Al green, man, you know, I mean, give me Al green all day long. You know, it's just awesome stuff. So, yeah, pretty pretty wide. I got a pretty wide palette for. Okay, how about how about some Almond Brothers? Yeah, yeah, I was a I was a I was a big Almond Brothers fan. You know, I went through a phase that that whole Southern rock thing that really took off. You know, with Marshall Tucker Band and Leonard well, Skinner. Let, of course, I was a huge Leonard Skinner fan. I oh mean, yeah, come on, you couldn't be in high school and not like Leonard Skinner. So. Yeah. Well, let's give a little background to the uh, Almond Brothers, and that is uh, their dad was a blue-collar worker, was working really hard, and finally got enough money scraped together to get a Buick and went down by the uh, bar and got a uh, <clears throat> uh, had a beer, and uh, you know had the bu- new Buick out front, and the guy from the bar followed him out and killed him, took his car, and so. Uh, uh, Greg and what was his brother, who was the Dwayne. incredible guitar, Dwayne, uh, ended up at military school. And, uh, then they decided to get into music. And, you know, if your last name's Almond, you need to be the Almond Joys, don't you? Mm-hmm. So you I, those stories, you know, I, um, I think they're nearly as great as the music. They have some incredible, incredible, like the, uh, Oh, what was their first live album at the, was not the Troubadour? Where was the it? Fillmore, West, at the the Fillmore. Fillmore. Yeah. We, oh, all, we all wore that record out, you know, an 11 minute version of whipping post and yeah. And well, that. and, and, you know, you talk about reading, reading the liner notes, uh, Jackson Brown, Brown running on empty. I could tell you who played the, the beatbox on the bus when they recorded the, yeah. the traveling songs and, um, uh, you're right. Yeah. You know, you don't get that that detail of information anymore. Maybe nobody wants it. I don't know. No, you know, the whole music thing is it's a little bit different, but I'm not, I'm not a naysayer. I mean, there's some, there's some great, there's some great new stuff out and Shazam's the greatest invention ever. If you hear something and you don't have Shazam on your phone, you're an idiot, yeah. you know, or else you just don't care about music. Uh well, let, let's for for the five mile high view. Shazam is a tool that samples. It's an app on your phone. It listens and samples the music, compares it to a digital database, and goes, "Oh, that's nine to five with Dolly Parton or whatever." Yeah, because you know? we used to, you know, we used to sit by the radio, and if they didn't tell you what song they just played, we were hacked. You know, it's like, <laughs> wait a minute, who was that? Who was that? You know, or or if they played a different version than what they had been playing. <sighs> Well, you know, you end up calling the DJ, you end up calling the booth and trying to hoping the guy answers the phone and saying, okay, what did you just play? And they tell you, they tell you. So yeah, no, there's just, I, I occasionally not much, but I occasionally run into somebody. They're just, you know, they'll, they'll just volunteer. They're not that into music. And I'm like, man, how can you not be, 
what kind of person is this, yeah, right? How can you not be into music? I mean, it's like saying, you know, they don't have a sense of humor. It's like, <laughs> how can you how can you get out of bed if you don't have a sense <clears> of humor? <throat> but the world's full the world's full of them. So no music's been a been a big deal. I haven't I've only been in it because of the consumer electronics business and uh and a little stint in the record retailing uh game. But yeah, it's it's awesome. Vinyl I think this last year, if, I, if memory serves, I think vinyl vinyl outsold CDs. Out, yeah. Well, CDs are gone, but yeah. um, I'm still yeah I'm, I still get tickled at people that uh, they got no system that's worth listening to, but they're investing big dollars in vinyl records, and I'm yeah, like, and okay, playing it over five inch speakers. Yeah, or, they, yeah. Don't, they don't they don't they yeah. don't get it. But to it each, has that warmth, Randy. It has that warmth. Yeah, to each his own. So most of, uh, well, not most, virtually all my listening now is done with headphones on my head. So mm-hmm. it's 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 fine. And I'm the guy who still buys music, you know, Spotify and these others. And artists, thankfully, are making a decent buck on those on those platforms. And it's interesting all these artists that are selling their catalog. Really, like you who? know, well, Bruce, you know, really. Bruce is selling his, uh, McCartney's McCartney's selling his, I mean, they're, you know, I mean, they're getting hundreds of millions of dollars. So really Neil Neil Young, you know, Neil Young sold, sold his and it ain't, and the music ain't getting any newer, right? No, but there, there is something to your earlier point, you know, these people, this is before auto tune and Mm -hmm. some of the technology that can make a person who can't sing sound like they can. Uh, you know, you, you see a really young Neil Young when he had first written Old Man and he's playing that song and he's in his early 20s. Now he is the old man. And he's yeah. got a harmonica, you know, around his neck and playing and singing. And it's like, I don't know how hard that is, but that looks like that'd be real hard. It looks to, like it would to, be real hard coordination wise. Yeah, to mean. just keep all that together, not to mention to the ability to write those songs. And of course, COVID took John Prine. And, oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. Well, was, and and Charlie Daniels. Yeah, you know, and Prine was just <laughs> such a spectacular songwriter. I I just you talk about the king of a of a sad song or satirical, you know, funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, so I'm I'm I got a real fondness for Motown. I got a real fondness I've got a real fondness for female really good female singers. And I got a real fondness for just singer songwriters. I mean, okay, let me throw good. some names at you. Let me throw some names at you and you yeah. just let me know, okay? Diana Krall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm not I'm not a big jazz ish person, but she's extremely talented and I've got I've got I got a number of her records or her recordings, I should say. Um, how about Mr. Gordon Sumner, sometimes known as Sting? Yeah, you know, I liked I liked the early police stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he's he's extremely talented. But Ten Summoners Tales, the Blue Turtles, no, yeah, no, not so much. Just didn't trick it for you, no, huh? not so much, oh. not so much. Oh. I'm, you know, there's, there's probably more names that the, and I don't think it's because, well, they're not that, they're not that known, but I'm a guy who's really rooting for, 
I mean, there's some people that are extremely talented and they just haven't, they just haven't broken through yeah. and probably won't. I mean, there's a little band that came out of Michigan that I fell in love with some years ago called Midnight Pilot and uh, a bunch of high school buddies. They moved down to Nashville mm-hmm. and I played them on my podcast yeah, 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 and started communicating with them and then COVID hit and they kind of went dormant and I kept bugging these guys and I'm like, I know you got to make a living, but please don't quit making music. Uh, you know, and they, they sent me a DM through Twitter some months ago that they were working on new stuff. And yeah, I was, really? pretty, I was pretty pleased, pretty pleased about it. Yeah. There's some, there's just, I like those stories, you mm-hmm. know, and the yeah. songs are great. Their harmony's great. Their musicianship is awesome. Their voices are really good. They write good songs and you're just like, and I'm still fascinated by, okay, why you got a bunch of these no talent hacks that are breaking through <laughs> these, these guys, these guys deserve it. These guys deserve some attention, you know? Well, so. you know, we had, we had the DJ, the DJ of the, the, uh, uh the DJ of the year or whatever. We had uh, some guys that were true and through. Uh, oh goodness. I've gone blank on them. They're from Nashville. Wonderful guys. And I was asking, you know, how do you get into the music business? And he said, you have to look a certain way. You have to have a certain sound. You got to be a certain demographic age limit. You know, it, it, it and I'm going to play this one on the radio soon, but this is classic. But those of you that don't know this song probably need to go hear it. But, Video killed the radio star, mm-hmm. right? And that was who the animals? No, it was the. No, it was. It was the, a one-hit wonder, the Vlugs or somebody like the V Mugs or somebody. But it was a. It was a completely one-off wonder. But video did kill the radio star. You know. Well, the uh, yeah. The I mean, when Joe Jackson has to be on his videos, who wants to see Joe Jackson, right? Yeah, it was the Bugles. Or the, the Buggles. Bugles. The Buggles. <laughs> yeah, the Buggles. The Buggles. The Buggles. Well, but MTV <clears throat> was huge. It was oh, yeah. Huge. Yeah. 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 yeah, you yeah, know yeah I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know that people, unless they're older like us, can, you know, I mean, certainly young people don't. I mean, it was, it was beyond huge. It was, it was all the media. Huge. Yeah, it was well, it was it the Madonna, media. you know, it made yeah. Madonna and, oh, and the police. Yeah. Yeah. And Michael Jackson. Yeah, well Tom Petty didn't do half bad and ZZ Top didn't do half bad, you mm-hmm. know, with it. So yeah. Now there's listen, there's a lot of great music and there's a lot of young people that are making great great music and writing really, really great songs. The problem is how how can you you know, how can you hear it? The great thing about Spotify and some of these other platforms, and by the way, our podcast is on Spotify, mm-hmm. uh, is you know you can you can request, you can play, and then you'll get recommendations that will be okay. If you like that, you're probably going to like this too. We had none of that yeah. back in the day. We had to really go ferret this stuff out, or you had to hope that you lived in a place. Unfortunately, I did that had good radio. Mm-hmm. And Hot Springs Village has good radio, KVRE. I know break, breaking brand new music is not KVRE's thing, but that's not the audience either. Well, but Tracy does play to, brand new music, though. Tracy some, does, yeah, some, but I mean, it's four hours a day. Yeah. Yeah, but there's something to living in a college town. Yeah. 
college radio is still kind of really under the radar kind of radio. And I was fortunate. I was fortunate to really grow up, you know, with all that. So anyway, you remember, uh, um, Garrison Keeler with uh-huh. the Prairie home companion. Yep. He was talking Before about he how canceled. he canceled. Yeah. Well, he, he, uh, he was actually on, uh, uh, you know, college radio was where he got his start. Yep. And he said that he had been just broadcasting his heart out and doing great. I mean, he was, he thought his shows were getting a lot better, a lot better. And one day the engineer came by and he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm finishing up my radio show. He said, you know, the transmitter has been down for three weeks. You, yeah. you, we, right. yeah, we hadn't played your show for three weeks. That's oh yeah. He'd been slaying. Yeah. I think that is some of our podcasts. <laughs> Especially the early ones. Yeah, we've been killing it. We've been killing it. Unfortunately, well, do me a favor for this show. Well, this is what something I one one I'd wanted to talk about a long time. Do me a favor, put some of your favorite links below here. Some some people you say, how would you hear them? I'd like for you to do if you would, and and just a couple of shout outs. Who would you say? Well, I was going to tell you that that one of the great things is commercials. There's an awful lot of really not mainstream, and I don't know why. Well, because the music is so great, but it probably has to do with money, right? I mean, it probably has to do with, okay, if you want a Rolling Stone song, you're going to pay for it. Uh, You know, if you want a big artist, whereas if here's a person and maybe nobody's, nobody's heard of this person, and ironically, there's, there's some stuff, uh, Lily, Miola has a song called Daydream. I think she performed it. America's Got Talent. Mm-hmm. Don't I don't watch those shows. Yeah, that sounds is familiar. Simon, I do remember is Simon, that name. Is Simon? Yeah. Is yeah, he on yeah. uh, America's Got yeah, Talent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just she's crazy good. Um, just really crazy good. And some of these people don't have they don't have much out, but. I'm going to look here through my, through my recent, there's a, you know, there's a band called inhaler. Uh, well, let, let me, let me, let me throw you one while you're doing that real yeah, quick. I, I heard on, heard on the radio the other morning. And I meant to tell you this, uh, that Bob Dylan is now singing Van Morrison songs at his concert and yeah. people did say, do what sign me up. And, and well, and they said the other side of that was, is that Morrison Van Morrison had been singing Dylan songs for the past 20 years, you know, do a couple of covers yeah, right. uh, at his concerts. Well, right. to turn the tables, now Dylan's doing some of Van Morrison's songs. And, yeah, well, he should. And and for what you, most people don't know, we think Van Morrison, you think Brown Eyed Girl, blah, 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 just a couple of those. Or the bright side of the road on the radio yeah, program. Van's a couple the of months man. Van yeah, he the really man. is. I've got every record Van Morrison has ever recorded. Really? Mm-hmm. He's okay, still so, on my bucket list. He's the only person that I have not seen live that I really would like to see live, and I probably won't. He, I mean, he's, he's he just he's not around that much. Yeah, he's, he's in Vegas this Dallas. summer. He's come to yeah. he's come to Dallas in the last years, <clears throat> maybe twice. I was out of town both times. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I mean. There's people like that. John Prine, I got everything. I got everything he's ever done. Tom Petty, I got everything. I got everything he's done. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of artists that have been around for a long time that mm-hmm. have a big body of work. 
Yeah, it's. Yeah, well, give us some of your list here before we sign off. Uh, the most recent ones that I'm wearing out now, I mean, I'm still a huge Billy Strings fan. If you have not listened to anything by Billy Strings, you're just absolutely missing the boat. The guy is probably the best flat picker on the planet. Really? Uh, Billy blue, Strings? Bluegrass guy. That's, uh, I think Apostol is his real name, but his grandmother started calling him Billy Strings because he's just, the kid can play it's unbelievable he's like 24 and he's nuts good and he's gaining big big momentum so yeah he's breaking through and in that same genre and i've played them on kvre trampled by turtles is a is a great it's a great name but it's a great fabulous but it's a but it's a it's a great band kind of in that bluegrass but with a bit of a rock thing to it so that's my phase right now dawes d-a-w-e-s is another band that i'm listening to a lot right now. i listen to a lot of them all the time so i i that's what i do i kind of i get in a groove of something and kind of wear it wear it well you follow that vein you you hit that vein and follow it back up a little further right you know but there's always going to be a lot of motown Mm -hmm. in there you know there's a band out of iceland uh kaleo that they got two records i wear both of those records out you know i'll go walking and they're in my and i'm like how's a band from iceland well from iceland diane and i were in memphis the other day and the uh steven steven stegall steven seagal is the name of the steven seagull is the name okay. of the band. <laughs> All right. And and they do, uh, they flat pick uh, and they do bluegrass ACDC. Yeah. And oh my God, they're good. Yeah, oh my yeah. God, they're good. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and what, the, the video, you have to see the video. One of them pulls up on a lawnmower on a oh, rod. Yeah, I've seen the video. Yeah, 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 yeah. You oh, know yeah. what I'm talking no, about. It's a good bit. It's a really yeah, they were, good bit. They were in Memphis. So, Cotton Square. Oh, gee, probably five months ago, six months ago. Yeah. Uh, that's There's kind of a our... boatload of great music out there. And thankfully, you know, we're, I mean, come on, the village of Memphis is not that far Three away. Three hours, yeah. You know, so. What, what's some... the, uh, have you seen, you've seen the Waverly's, haven't you? Uh-uh. Oh, you're kidding. No. Oh, these are, these are, uh, the, these are guys that, uh, uh, they dress like Porter Wagner's dad. You know, they've got the little bow ties yeah, and, right. and, uh, is it that uh, genre of it's, it's that it's that no, it's, it's kind of, they'll do that genre of country, but they'll do uh lady Gaga, uh, okay. and, and in the blue gray, Oh my Lord. And they're yeah, incredibly that talented. Bell. That rings and they bell, have, but I have, and they have this flat face where they just act like, mm-hmm, yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, just matter of fact, never that's break, a, never break some great character. You know, yeah, they're just a, a couple bit. of geebs. Yeah. That's a good bit too. <laughs> well, we've completely bored everybody out of their mind. Now. Somebody's yeah. listening. Somebody's listening, Randall. Yeah, but does anybody care? No. Yeah, maybe. No, they maybe. don't. But listen, maybe somebody's going to find some great music. How about that? Yeah, and you know, and at least the uh, the KVRE show <clears throat> that that you do every Saturday and Sunday. I mean, at least there's you know you got the ability to kind of play some stuff, and I think that's it's awesome. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's just cool that. It's cool that you can kind of pick what you want to play during that hour and take take the take the audience wherever you want to take them. Which is I want to get me, on, the great thing about about music 
and and it's the same thing about great books. You know, it just you kind of fill in the you fill in between the lines and kind of make up your own story as you hear these things and and they give you a feeling. I mean, so I closed out all my shows with that bright side of the road by by Van Morrison because it's just I don't know, it's just makes me smile. Yeah, I mean, how can you how can you not feel like you're on the bright side of the road when you're hearing that song? You know, yeah, so it's kind of cool. Well, let me, let me do a shout out real quick and, and just a, a quick update. Um, we live in a world of commercial radio. I know because I work at a commercial radio station. I help them program. We, we program to literally the quarter of a second. You technically don't hear more than a quarter of a second of silence at any time. And because of that, it's a monolith. It's just this flat monotone world where they play classic rock and they play the last 50 songs for the, for the next five weeks. And maybe they change it a little and, but it's, it's, it's basically ammo. To, we got to sell these refrigerators. We've got to sell these microwaves. We've got to sell these color TVs as, as they would say, uh, commercial radio these days is so pre-programmed you couldn't get anything on emergency unless it had a 911 code or the weather alert going off. It's it's programmed for weeks in advance. And these wonderful people at KVRE literally say, "Okay, Dennis, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. anything you got." Do what you if want. I wanted to play an hour of of silence or an hour of me humming, oh, I wouldn't give a silence over that. <laughs> Please, please don't hum. For I'll start hour. with silence. I'll start with silence. I'll move up to humming. How about that? Yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, as we've said repeatedly, and I will say it one million other times, we walked in and said, hey, KVRE, would you like to be a meteor partner? Yeah. But didn't get the word partner out of my mouth before we got a yeah. Yeah. Well, and as you said, relation, Randy, your relationship didn't hurt because they didn't know me from Adam. They, they didn't. But at the same time, they're. Their willingness, their openness, their their generosity, frankly. And, you know, we, we'll play The Bright Side of the Road by Van Morrison. I'll play uh, 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 Cult of Personality by, by uh, uh, Living Color. We'll play uh, uh, Jethro. We'll play, I mean, any, playing old country rock. Uh, you've heard this. Shout by David Lindley. Exactly, exactly. Well, you know, when we came back, when, when I started the next show after you had done those, I did back in the saddle again by the Chuck wagon gang. Oh, I heard it. Oh, I'm back in the saddle. I'm, yeah, I'm back exactly. here. Recording. Exactly. They let us play anything, literally anything. And, and I encourage people, if you've got a song you want to hear, call us. That's fine. Email us. That's fine. HSV inside out. You can find us. We're at the bottom. Uh, also, if you want to hear a song on the radio, text 501-915-1300, 501-915-1300. Randy, tell me where else in the continental United <laughs> yeah. States, you know, a place that Probably you can nowhere. text which you can text yeah. or call any request. Now I will say, I will say we had a guy. <laughs> Let's hear it. We had a guy that every day, every day he would call in and say, or, or text in and say, I want to hear Chuck Berry, my ding-a-ling. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. after about the 12th play, Tom came in and went, no more my ding-a-ling. Yeah, we ain't putting my foot anymore. down. Yeah, yeah. Have uh, have good taste. Have good taste. Yeah, otherwise, that would be semi-appropriate. Otherwise, we'll veto it or overpower you. Yeah, so. we we don't want to have to make you PG again or whatever. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, but KVRE to to be fair, and this will be my last word. And then I'm going to shut up. 
they knew what we were about. You know, they knew that we're just trying to, that bright side of the road for me was befitting because it's how I felt when I first came to the village. I've, that feeling has only intensified. I feel that way. I think we're blessed. We're fortunate. People can see behind you because there you are on Lake DeSoto. And, you know, we've seen some boats jet by there in this sweltering heat. Uh, and it's just, it's just great. And they knew that they knew what we were up to. They knew why we were doing what we were doing. And so I do think that that made it a little bit easier for them to say yes, because we could gripe and moan about all kinds of stuff, but it's really hard to not be grateful. You know, when you come through those gates and you take a look around and you in, interact with other humans in the village who I haven't, I know they exist on social media because I see the keyboard courage, but I haven't met them in real life. <laughs> and the ones that I know by name, I hope I never do meet you, you know, because I'm not interested in meeting you. All but five they, of you, they, maybe. But they, but they knew, I think, I know Alice, Alice and the rest of them, they, they knew that. Yeah. And they're community minded enough. And I would say that that is also, I think, resonating with Clara and Ike, our two sponsors that we're proud of remax of hot springs village and ike eisenhower state farm it's the same thing we're all kind of cut from the same cloth you know we're we're happy to be here we love it here it's great it's it's just yeah it's a positive kind of a thing well you you said it you said it randy from day one you said we're here to shine a bright light on this place we all love is that, you need a mission statement we're done that was yeah. it. Yeah. You know, doesn't get any simpler. Well, from the shores of beautiful Lake DeSoto till you can hear us again this Saturday and Sunday at 10 a.m. I'm Dennis Simpson. He's Randy Cantrell. We will see you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast starring Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com.